What's going on, everybody? This is Tim Wells, and you are listening to episode one of the Sorry for Not Apologizing podcast with Tim Wells. Yes, I said my name twice because I'm pretentious. Uh, but no, guys, I'm really excited to get this thing going. A lot of hard work's gotten into this. Um, you know, just the money aspect, getting all the right equipment so it sounds good, uh, the audio programs, everything you know that goes into a podcast, which is probably more than you think it would. Uh, at least if you want to, you know, something to sound good. Um, I went out and got some guests. I got right now. I got six guests slated already. Um, but our first guest was Jake Arthur. Jake's a great guy. He's a he's a sports journalist here in Indianapolis. Follow him. Follow him on Twitter at Jake Arthur NFL. He's such a great dude, and we had such a great conversation that uh, I'm looking forward to you guys listening to here in a second. Before we get to, before we get to it, I can't even talk. First episode. I'm I'm mumbling. I'm stumbling. So things are going great. Uh, but real quick, I got some sponsor reads. Look at that. Mama, I made it. So let me get into that real quick. So how do you, what's the right way to start a sponsor? Like, do you announce it? Like, hey guys, look at me. I'm Tim. I got sponsors. Or do you just read? Either way, I'm, I'm rambling on. So here we go. Today's show is sponsored by Panuni's Pizza, located in Brownsburg on State Road 136. Panuni's is home of the Big Noonie, the 30-inch monster pizza. Call them today at 317-286-3500. That's 317-286-3500. And I apologize for that voice. I I don't know what came over me. I was In my head, I'm like, oh, 90s DJ will sound cool. Probably not, but I'm going to keep it anyway because it's my podcast. Uh, And then today's show is also sponsored by McCrary's Property Home Management. Basements, wiring, installations, complete remodels, McCrary's Property Home Management does it all. And by does it all, they, they do it all. You're, you know, you're talking, you know, anything. You, you want to bake, if you want a, a pie to be baked, they do it. They bake pies. That I can't confirm, but I assume that, you know, they do it all. I'm sure pies are in the mix. All right, guys, enough of me talking, rambling on. Episode one with Jake Arthur, coming up next. Sorry for not apologizing with Tim Wells starts uh, right now. All right, <laughs> take two <laughs> of the Sorry for Not Apologizing uh, podcast with Tim Wells. First episode. I'm excited, excited to have my friend uh, Jake Arthur on the first episode. Jake, what's going on, man? Um, Not too much, man. Can't complain. Just living it up. <laughs> and Jake, you know journalism you know fantasy football you kind of mm-hmm. do it all as far as uh that perspective is uh going on for you so yeah. you know real quick like just give us a, a quick rundown of what you do uh well my my website that i work for is uh stampede blue which is sb nation's indianapolis colts website um it's just basically an, an outlet for me to get my main interests out there you know i, I cover the colts for them I do a lot with fantasy football and the NFL draft, so it's just kind of a uh, an outlet for me to do something with my obsessions, other than just be some weird guy who just talks to <laughs> talks to people in the street about crap they don't care about. So ninety nine percent of the world, yeah, pretty much, like, yeah. People talking about fantasy teams, and no one if it's not your team, no one really cares. But uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of the time. I mean, I'm I'm used to people asking me for advice and stuff, which is which is good, but like. Other than that, you know, sometimes I think we all get exhaustion from that, especially if we have multiple teams ourselves. But 
Oh, yeah. You, I'm sure you average. I think you told me once you had like 12 teams last year. Yeah, I think last year was something like 12 teams or something. I, I mean, when I when people ask me that and I say I'm in, you know, 10 plus leagues, it it's always kind of shocking to them. But honestly, when when you've been in the writing, the football writing community, for me, I've been in it since the 2013 offseason. I mean, you there's leagues you're in every year, and then it seems like there's at least a couple every year where people invite you to them, and they just add up, honestly. Right. Yeah. Well, we're, we'll get into all that later on. Mm-hmm. That's a good introduction. What Jake, a little bit about Jake, what he does, what he, he's passionate about. Um, but first, there's a hot topic going on right now, <laughs> and it's dividing the nation. No, it's not Trump, Hillary, stuff like that. <laughs> uh, it's the Yanny versus Laurel debate. I want to. I want you to weigh in on this. First of all, before we play, we're gonna play this. Uh, before we do, what did you hear? Well, I'm I'm actually really. Are you glad, Team Yanny or Team I'm, Laurel? I'm glad we're covering this right now because I. I have just finally listened to this as of maybe like four hours ago, and I have no idea how anyone can hear anything other than Laurel. Oh, right? Right, yeah. It's Okay. I, I mean, I've, I've heard it has some, something to do with like high frequencies, which just means I have dead old man ears, but like, Team Laurel, man, let's go. All right, let's see. Uh, we're going to play it for a few times and see, uh, see what we hear. Dude, that yeah. how can you get anything other than yeah, Laurel on that? Yeah. Man. If, if you're Team Yanny, first of all, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> that's BS. I don't hear anything about Yanny. No, I don't. I I don't. I uh, I showed my wife that earlier, just to see what she heard, and she said at first she could kind of hear it both ways. She knows how people could hear it either or, but then after I you know said I couldn't hear anything but Laurel, then. That, that just got drilled into her head. She couldn't hear anything but that. <laughs> okay, so I there's a little trick I was doing, uh, mm-hmm. playing around, see if I could hear Yanny too. So if you say it with it, if you say Yanny in unison, I think I can hear Yanny. So Yanny. Yanny. That was a little early. Yanny. <laughs> okay, maybe not. I, that may just be your internal <laughs> voice talking to you on that. I don't know. <laughs> if, okay, if you're, <clears throat> if you're hearing anything other than Laurel, there's something wrong with you. You know, they're saying that we can't hear. Also, who's making up these damn words? Like, who was like, you know what words can, like, really sound a lot alike, depending on how you pitch them? Yanny and Laurel. Laurel, which is, like, I've heard that name before. Yeah. I mean, Yanny is, like, a hybrid of Danny and Yamaha. Yeet. Yeet. I think, bro, we're in consensus here. It is Laurel. Okay, thank God. All right, well, I'm glad we, uh, I think... I think we just fixed the nation. Okay, yeah. I thought it was maybe going to rip my home apart. I'm I'm really glad that my wife is Team Laurel. You know what uh, Abe Lincoln said? A house divided cannot stand. That's, you know, that is factually accurate and never more prevalent than right now with this issue. And the thing was, he wasn't talking politics. He was talking futuristic social media battles. Yeah, that's true. Between audio configuration. He's like, uh, what are we, Team Tom from MySpace or Team Zuckerberg? Like, let's get this Let's get this decided, nation. Yeah, Team Jacob, Team Eddie, whatever it was. Edward. Edward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never oh, saw Oh, Jesus. I, I, was, I was a little mature for that, you know. Okay, okay. As I have the Star Wars background. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, well, Jake, let's get into it. Let's start talking about you. All right. Jake the man. Jake Arthur. You know, we talked about Yanny Laurel. We kind of side on the same thing. And you and me, we've known each other for probably almost five years now. Mm-hmm. 
around that time. Some first started our mutual friends. You know. Yeah. I don't even know the first time I met you, but I was like, this guy, good guy. Okay. All right. Every time we hang out, you know, I feel like you and me gravitate. It's almost like a like like a almost like like lovers. Okay. That are yet kindred spirits or we're other, like se- other halves. Season two, Pam and Jim. Oh man. We're like okay. flirtatious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There, there's a strong bond there, but you just got to say no. You know, you, you just got to wait for the writing to, to develop out. And exactly. maybe by season four, we're hitting it off. Man, uh, who is Roy? I mean, on all fairness, he really, he, he looked good in season three. That oh, dude. yeah. <laughs> After his deal, I kind of let myself go there. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. So, yeah, we met about five years ago because mm-hmm. we used to write on the same website. Uh, yep, Indie Sports Report. See, I don't remember what it was called. It was that long ago. I, I wasn't very good at it. You've always been a good writer. Yeah. That, well, I mean, yeah. like, better than me, which isn't saying much. Yeah. If, you, I, if you ask my friends, I mean, I, I wrote some of the most horrific uh, papers in, like, <laughs> in like middle and high school. Well, in, in all honesty... That's totally different than writing things that you actually care about. Oh, sure. Like, it's hard not to just sound stiff while you're writing, like, an essay, but... Yeah. I I try to put my personality a little bit into the things I write, at least, you know. Do you write AP style? Um, I know this is going to be very interesting. General general guidelines. Sometimes, like, when when a question about something comes up, you probably fall more towards AP style, yeah. See, like, in school, we always learned about the comma, the comma, like, and, and or, but... And mm-hmm. a comma right there. Yeah. AP style, you don't do that. You, yeah, one comma, then no comma. Yeah, and there's uh, Oxford comma. Oh, don't get me started. I'm, I'm not an Oxford comma team. I'm not on that team. All right, everyone, uh, tweet tweet us, hashtag Oxford comma if you're on board, <laughs> or Yanny, whatever you're, you're feeling Oof. <laughs> in that regards. All right, Jake, well, let's, let's, uh, let's talk a little about you growing up, man. So, you know, because... The goal of this podcast is not to just, you know, talk about what you do. It's about yeah. who you are as a person, where you came from. Okay. You know, and, you know, here we are in Indianapolis, you know, that's kind of where we're both from. So, mm-hmm. you know, what was growing up like? You know, where'd you, where are you from? Uh, well, for starting at the beginning, uh, I guess one interesting thing about me is uh, I was actually born in Fairbanks, Alaska. Uh, my dad was in the Army at the time, and that's just where he was stationed. Um, but we moved here to, to Indianapolis when I was 11 months old. Um, I, uh, I've got a, an older sister that's four years, uh, four to five years older than me, depending on whose birthday it is at the time. Um, but, uh, my parents divorced when I was four. Uh, and then at that time, my mom and I moved to Brownsburg where we're both, uh, where we're both from. And, um, I, I got a, after several years, I wound up with my current stepmom, and uh, I also have a stepdad as well. That both of my parents are happily married to other people, which um, you know a lot of people always wish their their parents would get back together someday. But honestly, my both my parents have found their better halves. You know, so, oh yeah. So sometimes that's just the case. Um, I I find more people are messed up if their parents are still together. Yeah, so I mean sometimes. Uh, parents stay together, you know, for the kids, even though they hate each other. And, and the kids, sometimes the kids don't really get to see what a, what an actual loving two co-parenting household is right. like, you know, you just um, described the entire plot to the Blink-182 song, stay together for the kids. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> um, 
But no, I, uh, I, I've basically lived in, in Brownsburg since I was four, um, you know, lived with my mom and my stepdad for a while and my older sister. And then, uh, one of life's greater gifts, uh, my, my mom and stepdad had my little sister who is now, t- uh, almost 13 in a, in a couple weeks. So there's that. I, uh, you know, at the end of high school, I met my better half and love of my life. Um, my wife, Alex, and, uh, we've been married since 2003 or 2013, <laughs> Yeah, you know, since we were 13, you know, just kind of bucking the trends. Now, 2013. Well. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, we've we've got our own house and uh, no kids, but we do have a dog who we love just as much as if she was a human child. I know a lot of human parents don't like to hear that, but I'm ready to fight all over it. Oh. That's a hill I'll die on. Um, as long, I mean, I don't like the term fur babies. I'm not a fur I'm, baby I'm guy. Not, I'm not on board with it, no, per se. Not a fur baby guy. She's just my daughter. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't care if she's technically not a human, but she's my daughter. But Not a fur baby, but no. eh, my daughter, you know. Yeah, I mean, she has cost us enough in vet bills and shit like that to be just as expensive as a human child. So, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think, I mean, I don't have a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do feel like taking care of dogs a little bit easier than taking kid, you know, taking care of kids. Yes, I would prefer to take care of a dog. That's absolutely true. Not not trying to demean the job of a human parent, <laughs> but the love you feel for one can be on an equal level. Don't give me you know, Mother's Day a little overrated. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, mom. Yeah. So, but I, I to go back to the the whole dual co parenting thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I've experienced similar things. My parents split in my sophomore year of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it seemed like everything worked out for the best. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, because um, they, they hit it kind of well. Like they're you know, being unhappy with each other, but then like, you know, they find someone else. You yeah. took my dad a couple more tries, but he <laughs> he got there eventually. Yeah, I mean, same with my dad. I mean, um, my mom dated some, but she's only been in one other marriage other than my dad. Um, my dad had a couple in between my stepmom, but I mean, he he found who he's supposed to be with. Um. You know, it, it did work out for the best. You know, I, I, my sis, my older sister and I get along with, uh, with my stepmom and and our stepbrother and, you know, my stepdad. I've I've, you know, he was almost like my second dad growing up. So, him and I are very close. It's just what our lives are like. I've always basically known four parents, um, for the last you know, you know, good portion of my life. So and double the presents. That's right, you know, Christmases and birthdays and shit like that. Like, you know, one one drawback though is my birthday is a right a month after Christmas, so I fall into that trap right there. So I'm know? three weeks before Christmas, right? So you don't, isn't that some shit? Don't you know what I'm talking about? Not really, because like my my mom spoiled me. Okay, made I, it I, rain I, on you. Okay, I, I get my birthday. Uh, yeah, presents. I'm not gonna say I I, I didn't uh, I didn't get my fair share of presents, but things were tough at points growing up for my mom and I. So. Do you still get along with everybody? Like all four? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's taken some, some growing pains as, um, you know, as I've become an adult and things like that and just living situations have made things, uh, tough to see, um, you know, my dad's side a little more, but I've, I've always been just a few minutes away from my mom. So, um, you know, just learning, 
you know, learning what your relationships are in, in terms of how often you can see people and things like that. But I mean, when you're, when you're my age and have as much going on as I do and same with my wife and we're also very family oriented, your time is spread out everywhere. You know, I rarely do we just get a, a free weekend day and night to just do whatever we want. You right. know what I mean? That's just part of growing up. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a learning curve, I guess. Yeah. Do you have any like step siblings or anything? Uh, yeah. So, um, my stepmom has one son, Thomas. Um, so my, my older sister and I do have a stepbrother and then my stepdad and my mom have a, uh, have a daughter, Carly, who, you know, that's, that's my half sister, but I've never, I've never really known the term half with her because, you know, I basically feel half parent to her half brother because I'm 15 years older than her, you know, so. Yeah, um, and I was going to bring that up as far as, like, yeah. is the step-sibling gap large too? Um, no, not really. My my stepbrother is actually just a few weeks older than my older sister. Oh, okay. Um, but my older sister is 20 years older than my younger sister um, just because my, my stepdad is younger than my mom and didn't have any kids um, at the time they got married and he wanted one. Uh, so... You know that that's that's kind of how that age gap came about. Yeah, because I have five siblings. Okay. My oldest sister is thirty eight. Mm-hmm. And I got a brother; he's thirty four. And I have a couple, you know, a few other sisters. All are half, except mm-hmm. for one of my younger sisters. She's okay. She's about to turn twenty. But I noticed with I also have two stepsisters, mm-hmm. and they're uh, I'm, I might be forgetting the age. I think it's eight and thirteen. Yeah. And the tough part about that for me, because. I mean, you might be able to relate a little bit since you have a sister who's 12, about to turn 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a whole lot in common <laughs> with me personally yeah. trying to relate to a 13, 12, 13 year old. Yeah. Um, trying to like be that cool brother. But I, yeah, I, I, I think that's part of where the parent part of it comes up because basically her whole life I've had more of a babysitter role right. for her. Um, Cause I only, let's see, I was 15 when she was born. So, you know, I was out of the house by 19. So she didn't grow up with me in the house. So there was a lot of just me watching over her when my parents were busy or or whatnot. Um, so it, I, I, she really looks up to me in, in, in a lot of things, but like you said, there's not a lot to have in common at that point, you know, like, she she's just never been my peer at any point because I've always been so much older than her, and we didn't really grow up in the same house. Yeah, I think it'll be exciting once they do grow older. Yeah, and I mean we we've always like I said we've always lived a few minutes apart. Um, I mean we literally just right, you know, uh, what is it in Brown, Main Street in Brownsburg is really the only thing that separates my wife and my's house from my parents' house. So. And I think at the end of the day, the best thing you could do is just be like a good role model. Yeah. I mean, try I, not to get I a try. DUI or anything yeah. like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not perfect. I mean, she, she was luckily really young when I had my, you know, young, dumb, reckless stages of my late teenage years. Um, but I mean, now I'm not perfect, but I, I do try to set a good example for, her. um, try to teach her lessons when I see something that comes up, like, I had to scold her for something last night, but I tried to explain to her what the problem was. Right. But. You, the thing is, you can't trust these younger generations because they're all Team Yanny. 
These, yeah, these man. zennials, whatever they, they have all their good ears and they hear really well and they hear the word Yanny instead of Laurel. And what yeah. what can we do with that? And they're taking all our jobs. Yeah, all these twelve year olds. All our yeah, all our startup jobs. They're taking them. You know, these vloggers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, on the on the interwebs. Man, they didn't once have to have dial up internet. Oh no, they didn't have to yell for their mom to get off the damn phone. None of that. They'll they'll never know that. That's so funny to think about. I don't know if you follow any of these like trending tweets that we see on Twitter. Sometimes that are like, quote tweet this and say something that you had to deal with as a kid that today's kids it would they would not know what you're talking about at all. And like that's one that often comes up is you're expecting a phone call, so you have to tell everyone to stay off the damn internet. You know, like that's not something kids today. Have to I'll tell with. you what, kids, they don't appreciate. Is the fact we had to deal with the audio in and the audio out cables to hook up your PlayStation. The red, the red, oh, yeah. the, the red, white, yellow. You barely ever have to use those anymore. <laughs> Great, it, it took a few seconds. Yeah. But that's the big Blowing thing. Blowing into cartridges. Yeah. Yeah. That, there's something magical about that, though. You know? Here's a trick. Okay, I didn't have a 64. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I had, my, you know, Genesis back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I would, you'd, you'd blow on it. Here's a trick that a lot of people don't know that I still use today if it ever, uh, if it ever comes up. Although a lot of things are digital as far as like games. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime there's a scratch on my disc, I would put yellow mustard and wipe it on there. Okay. I would wipe it on there, clean it off, rinse it with water, and like nine out of ten times it'd work. Yeah, yeah I, I get that. Sometimes I don't know if why. you can find something that will like fill the scratches and like stay intact in there, then I, I get you. I, I, my brother told me that when I was like five. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was BSing me or not, but it's. It, it could be maybe it's like <laughs> jokes on you, asshole. It works. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if like I'm tricking myself into tricking the disc itself to work because that's how the world works. You just yeah. think it and it happens. I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of things. These <laughs> I sound so old. These kids, <laughs> these kids, and their you know their hoverboards <laughs> and their iPhone sevens. Oh my god. I don't know. Yeah, man. I I never figured I would be already old before the age of thirty. No, yeah. I mean you're married. You have a fur baby. <laughs> you're like, you're like, FB. You have your own house yeah. in the heart of Brownsburg. That's some old stuff right there. <laughs> you, you drive a, a Mercedes Benz. No, that's that's not quite it. AKA, uh, was it a Trailblazer? Yeah, uh, I'm rocking a Chevy Trailblazer right now until it dies, which probably won't be long. Well, that's because good. they are not good vehicles. No. No. <laughs> no. I I've learned that I have a Jeep Cherokee, uh-huh. an 04. It's probably oh four oh five. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because we we both had them at, at one point. Because I I had mine this time last year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I I loved it. I did not want to. I did not want to get rid of it, but it had one hundred seventy thousand miles and wasn't in great shape, and had like a thousand bucks in pending repairs that was coming. I, so. I'm just not a car guy. But I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to be. Mm-hmm. I so I, I bought my I bought my own oil and like an oil filter. Mm-hmm. My dad helped me change the oil. Come to find out, I bought the wrong filter, so I had to use the Got same filter, it. and I still haven't changed it. So it's probably I'm starting okay. every time I hit over sixty, it starts to vibrate. I'm like, I don't know if this is the oil filter or not, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something's not right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's talk about some other things. You know, you and your adolescent days. That's the oh uh, Jesus. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk growing up, maybe uh, high school. You okay. know, so you went to Brownsburg. Mm-hmm. You know, so what'd you do? What'd you do? Like I don't like I I, I so. For people who don't know, uh-huh. Jake, you're four years. You graduate 2008? 2008, yep. 
So I never actually went to school with you, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to picture you in high school. Seems like a like a cool guy. I feel like you were uh, you were the kid that you know played a lot of basketball like at rec centers. Yeah, yeah. You know, didn't actually like play basketball. No, I didn't play for school. No, but but you would throw down. Or, yeah, the best. Of exactly. Them. No, I uh, I didn't play. I didn't play for the school, but I had a basketball goal at home and. Just pretty much the fact that I grew up in Indiana, I played basketball a ton growing up in, in the driveway and in the cul-de-sac and whatnot. Did you ever get arrested in high school? Yes. You I did? did? I did. Look at you. Well, wait. I wasn't 18 yet, so I went on probation. Hey. Did not get arrested. Nuts. But Me too. If you, yeah. If you look me up, that was in the deferral program, so I didn't even have to say that information. Was this underage drinking? Yeah. Dude, we're twins. Busted at a party. Um, yeah, it was, uh, senior year, still 17. Um, it was the first football game of the year. And then there was a big after party at someone's house. The night could have gone actually worse than it even did, honestly, because the, uh, the first part of the after party started at my house. A bunch of my friends were there, started drinking at that Parents point. gone? Yeah. My parents were, uh, they were out at... They were just out to eat somewhere, and I thought where they were was way farther away than it was. But uh, they actually got home, and uh, me and my friends were still there, and uh, we were we were able to hide everything. And my my parents knew all my friends for the most part, and they they trusted me that I had good judgment and all that, so they didn't really mind. But obviously, people had to leave. You know, they had just got home; it was time for them to go to bed. So. We went to the real after party, and then after a while of everyone getting pretty much wasted there, can you can you say whose house it was? Uh, nah, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll skip names for now. But please were, tell me it was Jamie Comer. <laughs> no, that it was not. No, no, no. Um, but uh, some kids had had gotten word that the cops were on their way, and they bailed. Something they forgot to do was tell I don't know anyone else that that was happening. <laughs> And then, so, I don't know, there was probably 20 of us that got busted at this party. Either went right to jail or, or got on probation. And so, that was awesome. I, wonder, you know? <laughs> I think my dad was still undercover then, so I, don't, I doubt mm. he was on the scene. I don't, have you met my dad? I don't think I've met him. I've seen him a couple of times. I know he... Uh, he was at the wedding, Isaac's wedding. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. For yeah. all those people wondering, who's Isaac? Look him up. Oh, yeah. Just type in Isaac. If you're from Brownsburg, you know who the hell he is because he can't go anywhere without people stopping him. 3.840, all pro. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and 600 HHC. touchdowns, little known fact. Yeah. Did he go pro? No, but he no. should have. Concussions, not his fault. Yeah. That's, That's right. the devil's work. Yep. So I had a similar story. Mm-hmm. It wasn't after a football game or anything, uh, but it was my junior year. I was 17. Mm-hmm. It was one of those cliche things you see like in movies. Like, hey, party this weekend. You know, they were handing out invitations like, oh, going to be there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it felt like... A, invitations, that's dude, throwback. Yes. All yeah, right. We all pitched in. Like, we paid $5. Like, and this is the beginning of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lady, the girl who's throwing the party, her boyfriend like collected money throughout the week mm-hmm. for alcohol and uh, supplies and things like that. It felt so... Like, also a little bit of... Uh, not Want to make the super bad? Is it super bad? In a way, yeah. In a way, because uh, you know, he probably had some. I was going to buy all the alcohol, mm-hmm. but it felt like something out of a movie, um, some kind of like coming of age film mm-hmm. or something like that. And 
I was super excited because I, I think I maybe just tried alcohol recently for the yeah. first time. <clears throat> Sorry, mom. Yeah. Um, and I had never been drunk before, so we go this we go this party, um, and it's you know it's in like a suburban neighborhood. Mm-hmm. My, the first red flag should have been, oh, there are sixty cars in a cul-de-sac. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. might not end well. That's a warning sign. But I'm also seventeen, and I'm like, ah, you know, my song's on. I got a exactly. feeling by Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> it's gonna be tonight's gonna be a good good night. <laughs> Things are going to go well. Oh Jesus. Uh, so I remember we and we parked. We parked at our buddy's house who lived in that mm-hmm. neighborhood, so we walked like the rest of the way just because yeah. you know, just be safe. Oh, of course. <laughs> you know, in case we had to bail, so we had a backup plan. Mm-hmm. So I thought. Um, so there's like I might there's probably a hundred people at this party. You know, okay. sophomores, all you know, probably some freshmen, all the way you know, some seniors, a couple of those kids who uh, graduated like two years ago. And <laughs> yeah, the the weird older kids. Yeah, who's like dating a freshman in high school. Yeah, you know, yeah. he went to okay. Harris Academy. And, Oof. You know, they're the ones whose parents are always shouting at the graduation ceremonies, and they say not to. They said not to. Have, did you ever notice that? I don't know if Harris Academy was around uh, when it, you graduated. It was, yeah, it was around when I was when I was. Everyone who got their GEDs were a little louder. Is that their? I don't know if they're technically diplomas or not. No, I th- I think they do get diplomas because it's it's kids who are like in danger of not graduating on time. So they go there to streamline the process and make sure that's the focus is first of all getting that done. Really easy not to get on that track. I I missed like 160 days of school. I have a fun story for you here in a few minutes. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna try to get back to. Yeah. My, my, so we're at, you know, there's a lot of people there, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone's you know, passed around all this alcohol. Mm-hmm. I don't remember much, and that's saying something. So I, the, one of the last things I remember, I was surfing on a pool table in a basement. I, I was I was just being that guy, just okay. like being weird and dumb. My first time being drunk, and then after that, I vividly remember uh, going to go pee, and there was like a few girls in there, uh, and one of you know girls are kind of gross and they're drunk and they're like all peeing together. One's in the sink, one's in, <laughs> and I've seen way worse in college. Oh, but, yes. but that was like my first experience. So I'm like, whatever, I'm belligerent. So I, I go upstairs. I go to the the girls' mom's room, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I'm just like, man, I could take a nap. So, I don't even go to the bed. I go, I go into this woman's closet, get okay. a couple of her boots as a pillow, and I just pass out. And I don't know, I don't know the time frame. I don't know what happened. Mm. All I know is I wake up, opening the door a little bit. I see out the window like uh, some cherries and berries. I see some red and blue okay. lights flashing, and I'm like, man, those are pretty. Those are so pretty. But why are they here? <laughs> <laughs> then I go back to sleep. Next thing, next can't talk. Next thing I know, uh, a police officer who I won't mention, but he's a as a family friend, mm-hmm. opens the door. He knows me very well. He's known yeah. me my whole life. He's like, "Oh shit, uh, it's Timmy." Oh great. And if you if you know me at all, my dad's a police officer. And they called my dad. He, and that was his shift. As my dad was on the road back then, mm-hmm. uh, he he was a sergeant, and so he uh, came pick me up. Um. I don't really remember much after that. I just remember throwing up profusely. My dad making me go to church in the morning. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and I spent most of the service in the bathroom. Oh yeah. And then, but my dad told me I got charged. Like I got a minor consumption mm-hmm. because of it. Four four months probation. Got you know the deferral thing. Yeah. That you got. And that's a that's a rite of passage in Brownsburg. But it was it was cool because it, it woke me up. As in, so from that day forward, I never touched alcohol for the rest of my <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crack open this Bud Light. Crack open one with the boys. No, but a lot, I mean, that's just 
No, honestly, like... Isn't that like a classic suburban tale, though? It is, but at the same time, like, it's so easy to get caught up and just, like, not even be aware of your surroundings at those things and, like, be having just this wild, fun time. There's so much adrenaline involved in it. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, dude, shit, let's get psyched up. We're going to this party right now. Like, let's rage. I don't know what the hell type of phrases we said back then. Sauce. I remember sauce. Sauce was a thing, yeah. For a little bit. I'm about uh, to legit. These MFs. For some reason, legit got a, like big. At I, least for I'm me. gonna be honest with you. I think I still say that a lot. Oh, well, like now it's like, but you say it in, in not like a context where it's like douchey. Yeah. Oh, that's legit, bro. I mean, sometimes uh, I yeah. guess like that's legit. Like after everything. Rarely. Yeah. You know, now I say legitimately. Like a scholar. Because I'm, I'm an intellectual. Yeah. As a. The, You're as, educated as, and shit. That's what my bachelor's degree says. It doesn't say that. <laughs> It does not say that. It was a waste of money. Um, but yeah, no, I th- it was a classic tale growing up in a very middle class town mm-hmm. with not a whole lot going on outside of some kids drinking. Yeah. I think we're pretty lucky where we grew up. A lot of people dislike where they came from. I don't have too many faults with, with uh, our hometown. No, I mean, I don't either. I, I still live there. Um but, I mean, our the town is changing and getting better all the time. I, I know a lot of the lifers really don't like it because a lot of the nostalgic parts of Brownsburg are being upgraded or replaced and things like that. And the cost of living there is going to be going oh, yeah. up. But, it, yeah. I mean, you, you got to change. Like, I literally saw in the newsletter the other day, I, I think they said, you know, if if we want the millennials who came from this town to stay here, then we have to be more accommodating to the types of things that they like. And that's not the types of things that 60 to 90 year old people like, you know, you have to, you have to advance and change with the times. And you're going to get passed. And I'm not trying to like bore people who aren't from the area, but if you, if you're from central Indiana, you're familiar with Zionsville, Carmel, Mm -hmm. Avon, things like that. Anything on the north side, really. That's kind of, you know, what's what Brownsburg is kind of becoming. Yeah. Like my mom didn't want any part of it. She moved to the south side, Andy. My dad, you know, we've lived there, you know, I grew up there, you know, mm-hmm. for like 20 years, or 17 years at least. Yeah. And now they're, you know, they're heading out. It's just times are changing. I think you're, that's a good point, though, about accommodating the younger generations. Yeah. I mean, if, if they want the kids who grew up there to stay there, then they have to be accommodating of their lifestyles. And that is very reflective of the things they're doing. I can't say I, I love the planning of how some things have gone because I, think it's ridiculous how much the population has exploded and it doesn't the town doesn't seem to be have been prepared for that um but i mean that is what it is they'll catch up with that eventually like it's it's kind of a weird comparison but like situations like that and that's just an example of brownsburg there's a lot of towns like that all over there all mm-hmm. over the nation uh, but it kind of reminds me of churches like a lot of churches that you know are like kind of old-fashioned you know they're I grew up in a very old-fashioned church, mm-hmm. and they never changed their ways. It's always been the same old music from like the 1930s and 40s. Not um, haunted uh, at all. All these, yeah, all these these <laughs> hymns, and you know, you dressed up like it's Easter every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it is about our generation not enjoying that. I mean, I, I guess I didn't either. Um, but I'm noticing that in churches, especially that church I went to, it's uh, mainly elderly that yeah. go there. Like the nursery hasn't been. I mean, we we went back there a few months ago, and there was no one there outside of old people. Yeah, and I think you're seeing more of these contemporary churches, uh, you know, with more like a, a connection point. Connection point, yeah. You know, it's a big church in the area, mm-hmm. 
you know, they're more modern. I, oh, I, and I think that towns are doing that too. Trying to see, I don't want to sound cliche, but hip. You know, yeah. try to appeal to a mass audience and not just the dying generations, which I sad to say, I don't mean that disrespectful mm-hmm. in a manner, uh, but it's true. You know, and I think that's kind of the whole thought process in politics as well. People are like waiting for people to die out so we can get, you know, maybe halfway logical officials in there. Yeah, as politics is a good example of that. <laughs> yeah, we kind of got off the rails there uh, a little bit, but you know, it's that was kind of like the high school experience uh-huh. in our, our hometown mm-hmm. uh, and things like that. But what do you want to talk about you? in your career and like the things you've done um, because you're starting to get a good following on social media. Mm-hmm. You know, I've called myself a day one Arthur. Yeah, there you so go. The, well, I like that. Ar- day We're, one Arties. We'll yeah. Be- <laughs> I would say we got to find a cool nickname. Um, cause, cause now you're like, you know, you're over well, like 21, 2200 followers for a journalist, mm-hmm. for especially local, you know, I mean, you do other things too. Yeah. That's very impressive. And they're like legitimate follows and you get like a good reaction to every post. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just me, because I know I put, I know I respond like once a day to you, but well, it's so yes. Yeah, not all my tweets are fire. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Sometimes I say things that only I care about, but but what I want to get into. So you t- you kind of took an unorthodox path to get there, mm-hmm. you know, because you didn't go to college, nope. at all. You didn't even did you even go at all? Like no, what? not at all. No, so you have no debt in that in that <laughs> regard. Um, that's that's a good way to look at so, it. So, yeah. but how did you get to this point? Like, how did you get into writing? Like. Who like who gave someone who was unexperienced, inexperienced without any, you know, any educational background a chance mm-hmm. to write for them uh, and go from there? Uh, well, kind of how that happened. I, I've basically since I've been introduced to watching sports on TV. Probably I don't know. I was probably like thirteen or something. I've always been interested in it, and it kind of became like my main, uh, not obsession, but it was like my my main interest really. Um. And it started to get to the point where I would, uh, I would take note and keep track of things that had no purpose if I wasn't doing something with them. Like, uh, for example, I remember early in high school, I would be in like study hall and I would be writing out my own like NFL mock drafts on paper. And then I was like, I really should probably think of doing something with this. Cause right now I'm just like writing shit on paper. Like I, I, this is like my main interest, so I probably should follow this somewhere, you know? Um, so I took, uh, I, I got the ball rolling there. They're, they had a journalism course. You had to take that before, uh, you could get onto the newspaper there at school. So I took journalism and then the next year I, I got into the newspaper. Um, wasn't such a smooth process just cause I, I have a way I like to do things and, there's things I do and don't like to cover and I was a little more stubborn about that when I was a student back in the day and and the the uh supervisor teacher whatever you want to say just he he had his plan I had mine and it just you know it just didn't go well back then and are we still Um, this is still high school yeah yeah in high school um so after high school I kind of just stopped doing all that altogether. um I was just more into just floating by and living life at the time for a couple years um just you know working and um, my wife and I were just kind of trying to make ends meet and you know we had our apartment and and things like that and then uh one day I think it was on Facebook or Twitter one of the two I saw an account uh, like a Colts fan account but they had a website and they said that they were looking for new writers 
and uh, this was this was the 2013 offseason, I think, uh, right after Andrew Luck was signed. It may have been the year before. I can't remember. Um, but, uh, you know, I figured, you know, I still have the interest, and I enjoyed writing about things I, I like. And, of course, the, the Colts were always, you know, you know, that was my team. And so I, uh, I sent them, it was their, their website name was true blue fans. And I sent them just uh, an example of my work and they were, you know, gracious enough to hire me, did that for a while until, um, I, it might've been Brian Jessen from Indy sports report, him or someone from Indy sports report, um, found me and, and reached out to me and offered me a spot there. And obviously that was one of the first places you and I came in contact. Um, but I, I was there for a while and then, uh, this new startup website called pro football spot, uh, they became familiar with my work as well. And, and they also recruited me to write some cold stuff. Uh, and I was there for at least a few years, um, until I, I got my current opportunity with, uh, stampede blue last, I think I started last August. Um, but one of, one of my best friends, and especially my best friend in the industry, Matt Danley, uh, he had started writing for them, and, and he reached out to me and recruited me pretty good and got me there. Um, and that's pretty much where we are. It's, it's I mean, no disrespect to any, any other websites I've worked for, but it's, it's a great place for me to be. It's my favorite spot that I've worked. Um, very comfortable there. Uh, it's great management, great team I work with, so... So you kind of been all over the place, as a, kind of like working your way up on like a, at least with the Colts. Yeah, because you've I, also done like AFC South. Yeah, I've I've covered the the whole AFC South before as well. Um, the NFL draft, fantasy football, fantasy and the draft have been like real geeky nerdy obsessions. Well, I was gonna ask like, what do you like? Is that your favorite part or your favorite topic to write about? Is fantasy. Um, now I'd probably rank it Colts draft fantasy. Um, if I had time to just focus on one of them eventually, um, I could probably get even more refined in like uh, fantasy, for example. There's a lot of metrics and, and different ways people chart things now that I haven't I haven't gotten up to speed with quite yet. Um, I just kind of trust myself still to make my judgments on things. But um, if I ever had time to just focus on one of those topics, I'd probably dive right into it and get as versed in the subject as I could. Okay. I have a couple more questions in regards to your writing. Mm -hmm. Is it tough to stay objective with Colts writing since, you know, you're all, you've been a fan your whole life? Mm -hmm. um, Not really. Um, but you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I mean, I, I always like to hope for the best, but I know this team and I'm realistic. Um, I know how things go. You know, they're, we all have feelings when watching sports where you're like, I know what is about to happen, you know, whether it's momentum or whatever it is. And the Colts, just like any other team, they make bad decisions sometimes either on or off the field, personnel wise, whatever. And, you know, it, it, when you feel so strongly about them, you want to call out the bad things too. So I've, I've found myself being able to be just as hard on them as, as I can be when I praise them. Um, I, I think honestly, if if you can, if you can find fans to write about their team and they can be objective and not always have rose-colored glasses on, then 
I think that's a really good asset to have because no one knows those teams better than yeah. than those fans, you know. Yeah, and when it comes to evaluating players, because you travel, you've done, you've gone to like uh, those Senior Bowls. Yeah, like I've that. I spent the week in Mobile, Alabama, at the Senior Bowl a, a couple years ago. Um, I go to the Combine every year just to kind of float around, do whatever. But yeah, I've I've training camp. I've definitely done some traveling for it. Well, when it comes to that, like, what do you? Uh, what do you look for when you evaluate a player, like his weaknesses, his strengths? Because like I, for me, it'd be tough to just look at a guy. Oh, he jumped really far. Oh, that'll yeah. pay dividends in what whatever position he's going out for. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it depends on what position they play, and there's certain things you want to look for. Um, let's just you a, a position the Colts have needed for a while. Let's just go with uh, edge defender for now, which in their new scheme will be defensive end. Um, speed is always a plus. Uh, for for a four three defensive end, you, they need to have some size because they're going to be coming up from a three point stance and then immediately colliding with the offensive tackle. They're not going to have very much time to make moves. So uh, they also have to be good with their hands. They because they're going to come in combat with offensive tackles. Uh, so they got to be good with their hands. They have to have some agility to make some moves. And then arguably the biggest thing is they have to have bend, which is basically how low they can get to the ground while also still, you know, staying balanced on their feet to get basically out of the tackles uh, grasp. Um, so just like just defensive ends, things like that, that can be something. Now, did you pick up those like evaluating tools or scouting tips naturally? Or did you like learn from anybody who taught, maybe gave you some tips? Oh yeah. There's, you know, Twitter, I, I follow a ton of really smart people on Twitter and I, I've never had like, a football mentor that's like taught me everything I know, but I, I just study a lot of, of uh, these really good evaluators that Twitter has out there that these people all now make a living uh, evaluating guys and, and things like that. And they have their websites too, that they write for. So I, I do a lot of my homework reading people who are smarter than I am. Right. And, and it's just taught me certain things to look for. I mean, at the end of the day, I usually always just trust my own eye to see like, does this guy look good playing football or not? But there, there's a lot of of details to look for. Yeah, so I love sports. Obviously, mm-hmm. you love sports. I, I can't – for me, I, I broadcasted for four or five years. Mm-hmm. You know, I called a lot of games college and high school, you know, and things of that nature all across the board, almost every sport you can think of outside of, like – lacrosse and yeah. uh what's the uh, what's the one in uh, in, uh cricket cricket <laughs> yeah. yeah no I, not a big cricket I, I, fan i've done a lot of cricket but my love my love for sports it came just from an early age just naturally mm-hmm. uh resonating with certain athletes for me like the reason i love sports it comes down to reggie miller mm-hmm. the first time i ever shot a basketball is because i saw that guy when i was like four or five yeah you know take taking it to the bucks in the first round of the playoffs in 2000 mm-hmm. travis best hitting a game five winner that back then the first round was only five games you know and, and, and i remember you know players like that those teams and i was the first time i was like five or six years old that i just mm-hmm. re- realized wow i love competition even though i didn't really know exactly what competition was at a young age i guess yeah um but there's something about it I love. Like for you, like this is you know your life. This is your passion. Mm-hmm. Like what brought sports into your life, and what's made it uh, con- you know continue through as being you know outside of your family and some friends. You know your one of your top priorities. Uh, well, I mean, I I played some sports growing up, but uh, kind of the shame of it for me is that I honestly 
wasn't near as into sports when I played them as I am now. One of those things where like if I knew the kind of stuff back then that I know now, I could have been really good, you know? Right. Um, but honestly, it was just from uh, watching sports on TV and honestly, um, Madden. My, <laughs> my, uh, my stepbrother had Madden and I had never played. I don't think I'd played any sports games before. And I started playing and I was like, holy shit, I love this. And then, so that kind of got me into watching it more. Um, you know, my, my mom, I grew up with really just my mom for much of growing up and she, she didn't watch very many sports consistently, but like we would watch the Pacers when they were in the playoffs, you know, Reggie and everything. And I got really into watching the Pacers in the playoffs. Like that was actually the first team I would start to get really invested in. And then from there it would be the NFL I really liked Marshall Falk's Rams teams and uh, the Raiders when Jerry Rice was there. And then after that, and that kind of died so the, down. So like the Rich Gannon years? Yes, yes. And then kind of after those guys fizzled a bit, it started to be full-time Colts. Like, I did like the Colts a bit, but those other teams were like had my main rooting interest. But then it was all Colts after that. You know, it, it's kind of funny. Like, some people who aren't into sports will make fun of people. It's like, it's just a game. You can't control it. I'm like, okay, then why the hell are you binge-watching WWE? Yeah, it's or like whatever. there's a lot it's, of shit you're into that is, doesn't a, make sense either, but it's just what people like. We know we can <laughs> – I, I don't make fun of people who like wrestling. I don't mind – I'm not into it anymore. Maybe as a kid. Right. I'm not into, like, certain TV shows. Like, mm-hmm. you know. But at the end of the day, we all like these things because it's an entertainment value. Exactly, yeah. You know, people pay actors millions of dollars, so stop, you know, getting upset about the players. And I know it's a little off track. Um, getting back into it, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you – because I know you mentioned Reggie, like as a guy, was there any one player that you just? It doesn't have to be why you became a, a writer, but like just name like your top couple athletes that you just are fascinated with. They don't have to be playing now, just something that, that inspired you and maybe uh, fell in love with. Yeah, guys, guys who kind of always have my heart. Uh, you got Reggie Miller um, from his Pacers days, Jermaine O'Neal uh, when he was with the Pacers, right after Reggie, and, and they right. were. They were his teams. Uh, some of those teams were pretty good. I, I those re- were the best Pacers teams. I, I remember battles with the Celtics in the playoffs Paul, back yeah. in the early 2000s or so. Th- those were good. Um, yeah, Paul obviously, Pierce, Antoine Walker. Yes. Ugh. Uh, and the Nets. The yeah. Damn Nets. Um, but, yeah, and then, and then uh, obviously Peyton Manning. Uh, but I loved – I also loved uh, Reggie Wayne and Cato June. Uh, those were a couple of my my favorite guys, um, but non Colts I loved. I I loved Marshall Falk way more when he was with the Rams than when he was with the Colts somehow. Uh, and then Jerry Rice, I didn't watch football yet when he was on the Forty ers so I originally started loving Jerry Rice's Raiders days somehow, uh, which is not his legacy at all. But that's just the time you started watching. Yeah, and then uh, probably the last one I'll mention was Randy Moss when he was with the Vikings. Yeah. Lo- loved Randy Moss. Yeah, I think my old-time favorite uh, football player outside of Peyton because it's just hard to dispute that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a silly reason. My f- so when I was a little kid, my fa- like that's the reason why I'm a Michigan State fan. My favorite color was green, mm-hmm. and I ran with that. So and I had this. I had NFL Game Day 1998 on PlayStation One. It, was, mm-hmm. it wasn't even Madden. It was the like the knockoff. Was, yeah. Nine eight nine. It was sports when Madden made. was allowed to have competition. Yeah. Um. Brett Favre. Okay. Hundred percent. He's my, the first jersey I ever owned was a Favre jersey. And I I still loved him. Even uh, I would ha- I used to hate when they play the Colts. Mm. I, like, I didn't know who to choose for a long time until oh, later yeah. on. 
But uh, players like that, you know, just uh, that's why I love sports. Was just if you notice the the everyone you mentioned and the people I've mentioned, mm-hmm. all those guys were some of the most passionate individuals about the sport they played. Mm-hmm. You know, most of them were pretty humble too. Yeah. At the same time, they brought a a level of intensity yet humility to a game. I mean, Brett Favre was always picking up his guys. He got 40 years old, just throwing yeah. them around. I, he always played the game like a kid. Even he was like, I don't know, like 45 or something. Not that old, but he seemed like he was 45 when he was finally done. But he was always jumping on people, picking right. them up, things like that. He was fun to watch. Well, I won't take too much of your time up, but there's a few other things I want to cover. Mm-hmm. This is something I was, I was thinking of the other day. Um, what, where are you on the day? Because you're in the media, and mm-hmm. a lot of times players will critique the media because they've never played. A lot of them haven't. Yeah. You know, where do you fall in that when the players are like, I don't care about your opinion. You don't play this game. So, mm-hmm. you know, STFU, as the kids say, yeah. and then stop talking. Yeah. I mean, that's that's fair. I mean, um, although they, they do kind of sometimes point at people who have played. But, I mean, it, it, I think it's, it's fair for them to say sometimes um, – I don't think it's great when they can't take any criticism because, I mean, they they play on a national stage. Like, if, if the criticism is fair and even constructive, then, like, okay, like, let it slide. There there are some members of the media who work for, like, very prominent publications who are just trolls, though. So, like, I totally get why some players hate some of the media. Like Skip? Yeah, that's just one. He almost doesn't even count. Like, he's a cartoon character. He, he, like, absolutely. he's ridiculous. Like, he has to be paid to just make up bullshit opinions. Like, I don't... He, he ref- I mean, I'm not a huge LeBron fan, but he refuses to recognize anything that man's ever done. Oh, yeah, and I can't, I can't tell you how many people I've muted on Twitter and Facebook over the last month or so, because LeBron's been my guy since he was in high school, right? Like, I started reading about him, I think, when he was a senior in high school. And from the minute he came into the NBA, I loved him, and he was my favorite player, you know, outside of, like, Reggie. And he's still in the league, and I, you know, yes, he does some ridiculous – like, the flopping, yeah, no one likes to see that. It's ridiculous. Like, please stop. But at the same time, like, this isn't, like, people who appreciated how Tim Tebow was great or stuff and held on to it in the NFL because he sucked in the NFL. But LeBron James – is the greatest athlete that we've seen perform at in the NBA. And people just can't appreciate that because of some things that are out of his control or, you know, th- things that he's lost or what he has or hasn't done compared to Michael Jordan. And it's like, just how can you not appreciate the absolute greatness you're seeing in front of you? First and foremost, you, you bash Tebow. So therefore you hate God. Yeah. Is that true? No, absolutely. I don't know. Confirmed. Jay Arthur hates God. I'm, you heard it here first, folks. I can't let that go, man. I, <laughs> I am a Christian. Love you, Jesus. <laughs> um, okay, well, we talked a lot about sports. i got a couple more things. Since you're here, mm-hmm. obviously he's the hot topic. He's going to be until he starts actually participating. Let's talk uh, Andrew Luck mm-hmm. for a second. Have you, have you ever actually, I mean, I know you're in his, your profile picture on Twitter. Yeah. You're like in the background. Yeah. Like, have you, so have you talked, it's always my creep Have you ever photo. talked to him and interviewed him? Um, or just kind of just do like, like I thing? haven't alone talked to him one-on-one, but I've, I've been a part of several media scrums around him and I'm sure I've asked him a question or two before, but like, I've never done like a one-on-one interview with him. No. Okay. Well, so what do you, th- like you're around him more than I am. I mean, I, I, I follow a lot of people too, so I mm-hmm. I know personally he, everything seems fine on track. 
Do you think there's any worry at all um, about Andrew Luck the upcoming season? I don't think so. Um, <clears throat> I think you can take that in context with some of the things the Colts have done this year or this offseason, um, even last offseason, really. Um, so last offseason, we know to a fault, they were optimistic and it didn't work out. He wasn't able to play last year. They know how much crap they got for that. And so you would think that there's not a chance in hell that they're going to let that duplicate in, you know, in, in 2018. And they really have not made, made any moves that would indicate that luck is not going to be there. And honestly, they, the moves that they have made kind of speak to the opposite. They, they've put the most talent on the offensive line that they've had since he's been there. Um, they haven't, they've had the opportunity to draft a quarterback at number three. And in this draft, that would have meant Sam Darnold, who was many people's top quarterback. Well, I said a lot that they traded back to the sixth spot. Yeah. About Andrew if they Luck. were going for, if, if they knew that they needed to maybe replace Andrew Luck, they would not have moved back. The quarterbacks they would have been, been able to get at number six were Josh Allen, who would not be a Chris Ballard pick. Probably wouldn't be a Frank Reich pick either. We just don't know yet. And then um, Josh Rosen. And I don't know that Josh Rosen has the attitude that the Colts would want either. And then you have Lamar Jackson, but that's a whole nother can of worms, really. Um, but they they would have they done their best to try for Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield. And they they just wouldn't have trade, traded back from three to do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Plus, what's interesting, I mean... A lot, of, a lot of people are saying objectively that Quentin Nelson was the best player in the draft, just overall mm-hmm. talent. You know, so I, I feel I was hoping either him or Chubb along the way. Yeah. The fact that we got one to two, I mean, it, I feel win. good about. And the fact they picked, you know, Braden Smith out of Auburn in yeah. that second round. Any other year, he's the number one guard. But they have this freak of nature. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Quentin, Quentin Nelson, you don't see guards often not even go first round, let alone. You know, borderline top five. Yeah, not top ten, yeah. I mean, I can only think of a couple other guards off the top of my head that have gone top ten. And it, it was because of they had huge potential. But Quentin Nelson already plays like a grizzly bear. And, like, they just expect him to get even better. Yeah. And from experience, not really experience, but bears aren't fun. No. To be around. Not at all. Especially if you prey on their young. So They don't like that. You know, <laughs> let's consider the rest of the O line as his, his Cubs. Yeah. Even though he's probably the youngest, mm-hmm. they'll be starting. Um, other than that, with Andrew Luck, you know, we've seen some pictures. Mm-hmm. He's looking pretty beefy these days. He's yoked right now. What's he? I mean, is it you know the medicinal marijuana in Holland that got him totally <laughs> yoked no. up? Um, no, I mean he he's not going to be outworked by anyone, and I'm sure he's finally gotten. I, I don't know what the reason for him looking so frail and sickly last year in that one picture was. I don't know if maybe he got an infection and lost a lot of weight and couldn't work out or something. I don't know. That was a real picture of him? Yeah. I thought that was he, fake. Dude, he posted it. Oh, really? He posted it. I don't think he realized how bad he looked in it. <laughs> because uh, he posted it from his, uh, or whoever runs this account, from his Andrew Luck Book Club account. Because he was holding up a book that he had ripped the I cover that, off. I totally of. thought that was a random guy that looked similar. No, he posted that picture that, oh of goodness. him. So, like, that was legit. Good good, good use of the word legit there. Legit? Yeah. 
I, I don't mean to sound he offensive. He looks night and day. Like, he looks like he should probably be their new starting middle linebacker, right? honestly. The, He's I, huge. I don't mean to sound offensive at all, but he, he looked like he had, like, cancer or, or some sort. He and looked I think, sick. Sure. But he at did. the same time, I just realized this was a real photo. I thought this was either Photoshopped or some uh, yeah. look-alike. But he's looking beefy, man. Like, he's, he's hot. Huge. He's a hot dude. He, when he's in really good shape, he looks awesome. Like, I remember just off the top of my head a couple summers ago, um, he doesn't look like a dude that would really be ripped in general. Like, he's kind of no. a goofy dude. But, like, I remember him coming off the practice field one day uh, in, in training camp, and he had his pads and all that off. And you could see his six-pack through his, like, compression shirt. And I was like that does not seem like it fits Andrew Luck. But, like, when the dude is on and healthy and where he needs to be, he's absolutely jacked. He's one of the best, too. Like, just athletically. People don't – people somehow underestimate, the like, how much better it is as a quarterback to be smart than to be physically talented. Right. You know? Well, I mean, I I mentioned this, I think, on Twitter last week. And Mm -hmm. I've been saying this for a long time, in my own opinion – that a quarterback's prime really isn't till 30 to 32, 33. In this day now, and age, yeah. I don't mean physical. Because physical, you know, obviously you de- you deteriorate a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, Ben Roethlisberger's never been in shape. That dude's been chubby his yeah. entire life. Ben Roethlisberger looks like a 6'5 version of me just slinging <laughs> it around. And, folks, I'm not fit. I'm not. He's he's decent. He's like an 8. Jake's an 8, for sure. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. I'm working on it. <laughs> no, but I, it, it's it's true because uh, a lot of court, even Peyton didn't really hit his prime prime to like 29-30. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, probably 28 because that's when he threw the 49 touchdowns uh, yeah. in 04. But, uh, you know, it's a mental game. That's how you truly develop as a quarterback. Because Russell yeah. Wilson, you know, he's so gifted athletically. This will be the time where I wonder if he'll stick around another five years in the NFL because the way he plays is... You know, it's kind of how RG three plays. It's just uh, pretty reckless. It's pretty reckless. You know, he yeah. runs around. He gets, takes a lot of hits. He's he is smarter, mm. I, I say, than RG three when it comes to avoiding contact. Yeah. But if his mental game can continue as well, he can last. He's got to step away from being like the the reckless runner he is sometimes. Mm. But guys like that, I look at probably only got a few years left. Andrew Luck, yeah, he's had some injuries. He's had with a spleen. Uh, was it a spleen? It was a lacerated kidney and torn abdominal muscles. I'm thinking of Chris Sims. He like lost his spleen playing football. I think or you're right. Or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Dude, uh, Jesus. That, that, that's probably the best. He that was, is he wild. He wouldn't be good. No. But yeah, that is wild. Like a lacerated spleen playing football, an internal organ. Getting You've to- seen that a couple times lately. Keenan Allen had a, a lacerated kidney the year before Luck did, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, not common. But like the the mental game. I mean, that's why Aaron Rodgers is still... Because he's 34 now. Yeah. He's probably not as athletic as he was four years right. ago. I mean, he did take the... Yeah, he broke another collarbone this year. Mm-hmm. But, you know, those guys, they're just smart. Tom yeah. Brady's lasted so long because he can outmaneuver defenses. Exactly. The, the reason, like you NBA said, average. they don't reach their prime till maybe like 30 or so is because um, they've seen every defense... You were saying it's a mental game. They, they've seen every defense and know how to attack it. They know where the soft spots and and some of those zones are. And I mean, even though a lot of these guys have several different offensive coordinators because they make their coordinators look so good, they get hired elsewhere. Um, they've mastered their offense or just about any scheme that would be given to them. So it's you know w- once the mental part of it's not even a question anymore. 
you can carve people up. Like, don't get me wrong. I do not love Tom Brady, but he's not that physically gifted. He's just very smart, and he's been in a system that he has absolutely mastered. He's very smart, knows exactly what to do and when to do it, and that's how he's that's how he's basically built a career with people calling him the best quarterback of all time. Right. You cannot get there if you're not a smart quarterback. And Andrew, kind of circling back to the main point, Andrew is. Ask any smart football person. The first thing they'll tell you about is how smart he is. And, you know, I, I, I wrote something in an article today. I was like, even if you don't think that luck will be physically well when he comes back, which he will be, they're not going to put him out there if he doesn't look good. He still has Andrew Luck's brain, and that's going to be good for something. That's still a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. Like, Peyton Manning was just physically shelled with the Broncos towards the end, but did he not help them win a Super Bowl? Oh, yeah. He The defense helped carry them there, but he was able to make clutch plays when it mattered. Especially he, the AFC Championship. Yeah, he, he wasn't still 400 yards, five touchdowns per game, Peyton, but, like, he was smart and knew exactly what to do with the ball at certain points, which makes a difference in a game. Like audible to a run or yeah. anything like that. But back to Andrew Luck being beefy. Yes. I have not been this sexually attracted to a quarterback since high school. Robbie okay. Robbins, shout out. Oh, what's up, Robbie? <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of hot dudes in high school. Okay, I'll move on from that. Just in the locker room not knowing Just a bunch of dudes being guys. <laughs> dudes being guys. Tim likes quarterbacks, confirmed. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about – Everything. We got to know the man, the myth, the legend. Real quick, last thing um, mm-hmm. before I let you go. Just send any any predictions for the Colts. You know, that's what you do. I want, I want to hear from the man himself. Realistic expectations for this year. Oh, it's, it's funny I ask that because I actually put something out today. Um, Jeff Schwartz, who's former offensive lineman, and he also writes for SB Nation now. Uh, he named the Colts as one of four teams that he thinks could quickly turn things around within this offseason. And he kind of gave three ingredients as to why teams do that so quickly. And that's one, they get the return of basically a premier player, especially if it's a quarterback, which check, the Colts have that, Andrew Luck. Uh, next is they get a new head coach, often who is offensive-minded and can make that can help make a quick turnaround with your scheme. It's the most visible thing, really. You know, Frank Reich, check. So you're getting your brand new... Especially in today's NFL. Yeah, you're getting your brand new Pro Bowl franchise quarterback back, and he's going to be with the most offensively innovative coach he's really had. And you you could probably say that over Bruce Arians, because I think Frank Reich is going to be a little more diverse than Arians. Um, and then the third thing was basically completely overhauling or, you know, a complete rebuild. Um, he said it's not necessarily a quick turnaround, but within two to three years. Well, the Colts are in year two of a complete gutting of their organization. And Chris Ballard has made some really smart decisions. Um, you know, the, the average age of the roster has gone from one of the oldest to one of the youngest. There's no bad contracts on the roster. Um, the the athleticism and speed has gone way up all over the roster. And so, I mean, considering a lot of people think the Colts will be like a bottom five team in the league, I really don't see that because I think they've simplified things enough for their young players who were just learning 
that they'll be able to to let them play free and without thinking so much. And the big X factor is, of course, luck getting back. I think the Colts should finish no worse than 500. I, I don't see why they couldn't win the division. We see crazy things happen in the NFL every year. And no team in the AFC South ever runs away with the division. It's always It always comes down the last week or two. And I don't see why the Colts couldn't be a wildcard team or compete for the division lead. Because having a franchise quarterback is the biggest X factor in sports, arguably. Yeah, and I think of the twenty fourteen or the twenty fifteen and sixteen seasons. We mm-hmm. were bad. We still went oh, eight yeah. and eight. Still went eight and eight with a bad yeah. coach, bad GM. Defense was horrible. Offensive line could not. The the, the rosters from twenty twelve to twenty fourteen, when the Colts made the playoffs, went eleven five each year and advanced around the playoffs. Those rosters were bad, and they were old. And they were slow. They It just so happened they were experienced. But in terms of talent, those were not good rosters. But luck helped carry those teams in advance around each year. They, and, and he's yeah. going to have the most athletic and probably fastest roster he's had in the NFL to this point this year. There you have it, folks. Jake Arthur confirming a Super Bowl this year for the Colts. <laughs> I don't know about Super Bowl this year, but I think they'll be a lot better. In Ballard, we trust though. In Ballard, we in trust. Ballard, we trust. He's right. he's called Daddy Ballard around these parts. One last thing, I just want to double check something. Laurel, Laurel, <laughs> Laurel. Still Laurel, right? Still Laurel. Laurel. Team Laurel, Team Yanny, 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 whatever it is. Like I said. Laurel to Sorrel. I just made that up. That was, wow. You that should be a was, poet. Rush, forget writing. Awesome. This guy, give him the Pulitzer. Is that what it's called? Is that, yes. Oh, thank goodness. All right. <laughs> All right, Jake. Oh, man, Kendrick Lamar just got a Pulitzer. Did he really? He did. For He got a Pulitzer for damn. Did everyone sit down? <laughs> they were a little humble. That was stupid. Okay. <laughs> All right, Jake. You got 30 seconds. Promote whatever you need to promote. Social media, uh, anything you have going on right now, any articles. Go ahead and you have the floor. Uh, well, no big projects going on right now. Um, so I guess I'll just tell y'all to follow me on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, just type in at Jake Arthur NFL. That's A-R-T-H-U-R. Follow the man at Jake Arthur. Jake, thanks so much for coming on, man. It was a lot of fun. First episode. Mm-hmm. Sorry for not apologizing with Tim Wells. Episode one featuring the man, the myth, the legend, Stampede Blue Rider, Jake Arthur. Jake, we'll talk to you soon. All right, bud? Yeah, very appreciative of you having me on here for your first episode, man. I'm psyched for you to get this started. I think you're going to do a great job with this. And I think just from this conversation, it's going to be a really entertaining podcast. I appreciate you. We fist bumped. You guys couldn't see it. Yeah, you couldn't, but, but we, hopefully you could feel it. It was a lot of synergy there. I, there was. It was kind a lot of, of chemistry. A lot of the feelings I got back with my high school quarterbacks. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Not really moving on. We're ending the show. Talk to you guys soon. Uh, that's Jake Arthur, everybody. Thank you. That was the show. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Jake Arthur. Make sure you guys do follow him. Uh, He's a very funny guy. He's very smart and articulate and handsome. And I like everything about him. Um, But thank you guys so much for listening. Um, And don't forget to subscribe to all the endeavors I will put forth. I don't know what that meant. Endeavors. I don't know why I said that. Uh, Basically subscribe to any streaming services I find relevant uh, so iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, maybe a couple others. Who knows? You know, the world's always changing. And before I ramble on too much again, I'm going to sign off and talk to you guys soon. We'll see you next week. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Sorry for Not Apologizing podcast.